I am not an expert. I've never published a book or taught a class, but I love quilting, and I love talking about quilting. I make a lot of mistakes, but I like to think that sometimes I learn from them and get just a little bit better. If hearing about someone else's goofs and mess-ups makes you feel better about yours, then I've done my job. Join me now as we talk about quilting for the rest of us. Hey, I'm Sandy, and I'm a quilter, and welcome to episode 168, in which I have Visa Will Travel. And I'm recording this for the second time on Tuesday, uh, November 11th at 5.30 in the evening, afternoon, whatever you want to consider that. Um, this is actually the second of this episode. Um, I guess you could call it episode 168 remix. I actually posted and published a podcast episode Sunday late afternoon. And then I, I didn't really have a chance to listen to it through and, and edit it because of some technical difficulties I was having with my equipment that day. And when I woke up Monday morning, I really decided, you know what, I'm not sure I'm happy with that episode. And so I pulled it back off. So it's still living up there. Um, you can't access the files, but you'll still see the listing. I'm going to post these files back under the same title uh, with the new episode. So it is possible that some of you have already heard the original version if you downloaded it immediately. Um, but this is now a whole new episode with the same title, which I'm hoping, I've never done that before in Podbean, so I'm hoping it doesn't really mess things up. I know it won't be an issue with my own blog where I also post the podcast episodes. Um, so those of you who already have the original version, you're getting two episodes for the price of one. Um, I'm not going to let you know what I what I didn't like about the first episode that I have, you know, what made me re-record this, but you'll be able to tell by what's missing from this one. On the other hand, I also have some new stuff to talk about which I didn't when I did that first episode, which is part of why I also decided, you know, the first episode wasn't as interesting as I would like. And now the new stuff I've got is pretty darn cool. So um, we're going to just go ahead and re-record this and repost it under the same title. And I hope technologically speaking, everything works out. So that all being said, thank you so much for listening and um putting up with my recording quirks and so forth. I have a few announcements to make, and then I've got a lot of Sandy update, including talking about something I just did last night, which will be the bulk of the content of this episode. And then I will do some listener feedback. Um, I have a conference call tonight, and actually my throat is a little bit raspy today from allergies. Uh, so I'm just hoping my voice actually holds out through all of this. If I start having too many problems, I may pause and record the rest later, but I really want to try to get this done and uploaded tonight because it's bad enough that I already messed around <laughs> with, I've, I have angered the podcast gods, I think, by my indecisiveness and um, attempts to repost this. In any case, let's get on to the announcements. First, um, Black Friday sew-in. Those of you who have been around a while know that typically I host a Black Friday sew-in in my protest against um, all of the retailers who go crazy on Black Friday and all of the people who go crazy in the stores. And I know a lot of people enjoy um, shopping on Black Friday. I've got a good friend of mine that that's just part of her holiday experience. She and her sisters or friends uh, go Black Friday shopping. They get up at like four o'clock in the morning and they're at the doors right as they open for her. It's it's really an exciting thing for me. You know, just rip all my teeth out. I, 
I don't do Black Friday. Um, and so two, three years ago, I started doing a, a Black Friday sew-in and I did some giveaways and such like that. This year, I'm a little unsure as to what I'm actually going to be doing on Black Friday because I leave the next day on that Saturday for Burma for my three weeks um, in Burma. And since I'm also hosting on Thanksgiving, we're having it here at our house on Thursday, I suspect Friday is going to be a mix of trying to recover from, you know, the tiredness of getting everything ready on Thursday, uh, plus cleaning up the house, plus packing, plus trying to spend, you know, my last full day with my family. Um, you know, it just, it's hard for me to predict whether I'm actually going to be at my sewing machine at all. And I certainly can't host any giveaways because <laughs> I wouldn't be able to mail anything to the winners until, you know, January. So I'm going to not host a Black Friday sew-in, but I am positive there will be people having a Black Friday sew-in because it's become kind of a tradition among the twilters in particular, uh, all of us who are buddies on Twitter. And I'm sure there may well be other podcasters who are doing giveaways, other bloggers who are doing giveaways. So just stay posted, stay in the loop, um, keep track of what other people might be doing, uh, send emails to your favorite podcasters to ask them whether they're doing anything, all of that kind of good stuff. So um, I will most likely be checking on Twitter through the day because it's not like I'm dropping off the face of the earth. I don't do that until the next day. Um, but I, you know, I, I just can't guarantee that I'm going to be doing anything that consistently. So that's the status for Black Friday sew-in. Boxing Day sew-in is the other sew-in that I traditionally host, and that is the day after Christmas. Um, that, we don't actually celebrate Boxing Day really here in the United States. I know in some other places, I think, was it Australia? Somebody told me that Boxing Day for them is sort of like Black Friday is here, that it's a huge shopping day. Um but in any case, it's not really something we observe here in the U.S., but I really like the idea of it. And the day after Christmas is a great day to just hunker down in your PJs and sew and play with all your new fabric that you probably just got as Christmas gifts or read your new quilty books or play with your new quilty tools. Um, and even if you didn't get any gifts related to quilting for Christmas, it's a great day to just, you know, slow down and hang out in your sewing room. Now, the thing with Boxing Day, I will likely be doing a sew-in on Boxing Day, but it's really hard for me to predict how I'm going to be feeling that day. I get back from Burma on December 20th, and Boxing Day is December 26th. Burma is a 12 and a half or 13 and a half hour time change from where I am here, and I will have been there long enough for my body to have adjusted. So I'm going to be in the midst of readjusting <laughs> when I get back. So I don't, you know, I... From past memories, you know, I was in Burma in 1998 and I was in Thailand in 2008, which is not quite as much. It's like 11 hours off instead of 12 hours off, or although kind of depends on whether we're on daylight savings time or not. But in any case, um, you know, similar time changes for my body to adjust to. And I just remember both times it took me about three weeks when I got back to be completely readjusted back to my own time zone. Now, I was feeling okay after about a week and a half, two weeks, but it still, you know, I could still feel the residual effects. Um, and both of those trips, I wasn't there quite as long as I'm going to be there this time. So it's, it, it, all of that is to be saying that although I'm assuming I'm going to do some sort of a Boxing Day so when I can't tell you how extensive or how organized <laughs> I'm going to be at that point. So um, just plan on, yes, there will be a Boxing Day so when that I'll be participating in, um, I just may not be making a whole lot of sense or really doing a whole lot with sharp and pointy objects. <laughs> I'm just, I'm at this point, I'm not 
making any plans for myself. I have no expectations for myself for a good couple of weeks after I get back. Fortunately, we don't start back to work. We automatically, my building closes where I work for the week between Christmas and New Year's. Um, so I, I don't have to work at least, which is a blessing, um, until after the new year. And by then I should be, you know, kind of mostly back on my feet. So that is a good thing. Um, another announcement, my 2015 quilty resolutions, I have already decided what I'm going to do, but because I'm not sure I'm going to have time to do the blog posts and all the announcements and all the kind of things I normally do to sort of launch that giveaway, I'm going to wait and do it in very early January. So I'm going to be announcing what my um, 2015 quilty resolution parameters will be. And uh, I'll be running the giveaway through January, which I typically do anyway. So that's not going to be much different. It's just you're not going to be hearing what my challenge is this year until the after the first of the year. Um, but I do already know what I'm going to do. It's good. I'm looking forward to it. I always, whenever I decide what I'm doing for my Quilty Resolution Challenge each year, I just think through, what is it I want to do <laughs> in 2015? And how can I get other people to do it with me? So that, that's basically my premise. Um, so I know what I want to do. It's something I've wanted to do for years and haven't ever done. So I know what I'm going to do. But I'm, I'm not going to make you all do exactly what I'm doing. I'm just looking at what, do, what theme does that suggest that I might put out there. So that's my 2015 quilty resolutions. Essentially, stay tuned. Um, now, another announcement. This was not on the original recording because I just ran across this email this morning and got permission to um, announce it tonight. So let me pull it up quickly. Carol is running a Twilter uh, name tag competition challenge sort of thing through Flickr. I'm pulling it up now. And what she says is, da, 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 da. Uh, she would like to have, she would like to see whether we could come up with some sort of a name tag design for Twilters. Again, those are the Quilters that are all buddies on tw Twitter. Um, so that when we do meetups and all of that kind of thing, we can actually be wearing our Twilter name tag and make it more easily able to identify each other in crowds when we're at quilt shows, etc. So what she is suggesting is that um, if you would like to enter, you enter a sketch of a name tag design and upload it as a picture to the Flickr group called the Twilter Name Tag Contest. And I'll put a link for that in the show notes for this episode to the Flickr group. Each Twilter may enter up to five designs, label your idea with the technique involved, applique, paper piecing, etc., the size of the name tag, how it will be worn, whether it's on a pin or a strap or whatever. Um, the winner will then be providing a pattern for the rest of us to use to make matching Twilter name tags. Enter by Saturday, November 22nd. Voting will take place over the November American Thanksgiving weekend, which is November 26th till the November 30th. All Twilters will be able to vote for the favorite design. A simple majority will be enough to win unless voting is close, then there might be a tie vote. Any color size technique may be entered. Twilters can use Pinterest for ideas. Prizes are yet to be determined. Um, and then she posts some questions. Will you include the name of the Twilter's hometown? Will you include the Twitter handle of the Twilter? You know, so like mine might be Sandy's New York, Sandy Quilts, you know, that kind of thing. Um, whatever, if you are inspired to create a design for a name tag, then go ahead and upload it to that um, Flickr group for the Twilter name tag contest. And if you've got questions, contact 
Carol. She is wool for all, W-O-O-L for the number, A-L-L, all one word, on Flickr. I believe she's Carol Wool and Twilt and Twitter, but I'd have to double check that. Um, those of us who are on Twitter know who she is, so <laughs> you can find it. Um, I will again try to look that up as I'm posting the show notes this episode, which means I actually have to change the show notes to this episode because I already have show notes up there. Um, so that's the announcements I wanted to make. Um, okay, Sandy update. As the title for this episode um, suggests, I am finally other than packing, ready for Burma. I've gotten all my shots. I was able to pick up my prescriptions because I have to take malaria pills the whole time I'm there. Um, I actually have to start them a little bit early and end them a little bit after I get home, but I've got enough pills to do all of that good stuff. I still haven't gotten my flu shot. I'm hoping to get out this weekend and get that. Um, and I finally received my travel visa on Saturday. I was That was what was starting to make me anxious because I knew when they had when the consulate had actually put it in the mail to send back to me because of some email exchanges we had had and it took a lot longer to get back to me than i thought it would have and so i was starting to get visions of it getting lost in the mail and how do i track it down when i don't think they mailed it you know with a tracking number and is it possible to get a passport and visa fast fast <laughs> you know if they were lost in the mail so i was i was kind of starting to stress that a little bit when it finally came on saturday so now all i have to do is pack um, I've been collecting my various accoutrements that are needed for international travel. Um, my husband and I both have done some international travel, so we already have some of the things like the outlet adapters and all that kind of thing. Um, I've just been taking them out of where they tend to hide in my closet and then, you know, moving them out to sit um, next to where I'll be packing. And I've gotten, um, I just received from Amazon today, I had ordered one of those rechargeable battery pack things for iPhones and iPads because it is an insanely long flight to get over there and to get back. And I know my charge would not last if I don't sleep and I need to be, you know, on my phone or on my iPad playing games, etc. So anyway, I got that today and it's, um, I'm looking forward to using that. I'm going to test it out before I actually go. So I've got it charging now. Um, because I haven't had a battery charger. The first one I ever bought was years and years and years ago when they first came out, and it did not work at all. This one gets very, very highly reviewed, so I'm hoping um, I'll, I'm hoping it works. <laughs> I really am. Anyway, um, that's a digression. Uh, I have bought three pairs of pants, although I need to take them back and exchange one. Take one pair back and exchange it, because unfortunately I didn't realize I had ordered the crop pant version instead of the regular pant version. And although I have nothing against crop pants, they just don't look right on me. They always cut off at the worst possible part of my leg. So I've got to just take those back and exchange them for regular pants. But I've gotten three pairs of like, you know, the hiking pants that are made from lightweight but extremely durable material that won't really show dirt easily. And if it does, I can wash them in my hotel room sink. Um, so that's necessary. The The thing about packing for Burma is I'm going to be, because we're going to be in the southernmost part of the country, as well as almost all the way up to the northernmost tip, not quite, but very far north, which is very mountainous, um, I'm going to be in everything from 90 degree weather to 40 degree weather. So I've got to have a lot of layers and I've got to have things that will handle all of that changing without having a huge suitcase. So I've really been thinking through clothing so that I can pack as little as possible. Um, and with the suitcase, 
I kept saying I wanted a middle-sized suitcase. I was ready to buy a new suitcase for this trip because we really, you know, we'd use it. So I wasn't thinking it was only for this trip. We travel a lot. Um, because I only have two suitcases. One is, you know, the standard kind of carry-on size suitcase. And then the other one is the one I think of as my big suitcase. And I kept saying I don't want to haul my big suitcase all over Burma because we're going to be traveling in-country on buses and on planes and in vans and everything. And I just didn't want to be hauling it around. But then as I took measurements of the suitcases I owned and then started doing research online, I realized that what I think of as my big suitcase actually is the middle-sized suitcase. Apparently, they do get bigger. Um, so I think I'm just going to have to suck up and deal and use that middle-sized suitcase. I just won't, you know, I'm not going to be packing it full, so it won't be that heavy. But we have a lot of things we're bringing over to leave in that country. We're bringing items to donate. I'm bringing gifts. Um that's one of the things I believe I talk about later in this episode, if I remember what my outline is. Um, maybe not. Yes, it is. Uh, but anyway, you know, we bring supplies that we're bringing for things and, uh, you know, just a variety of things that I'm going to be packing that I need to get over there. But then I will be giving out as I'm there and they won't be coming back with me, which works perfectly because I'm sure I will be picking up souvenirs to come back. So, um that's all how I'm working. And, you know, I, I know how to pack. Obviously, I know how to pack well because I travel a lot. I've used those vacuum seal bags. The last time I, when I went to Thailand, I packed everything in those vacuum seal bags so I could get as much as possible in the suitcase. And I discovered it's just a royal pain in the tuchus because you, you have to figure out what to pack in which bag. So, And then as soon as you open the bag, of course, everything puffs back up to size. And if you're packing and repacking and moving around in the country, you're having to re-squish all of those bags every single time. It, it was just a real pain. And I've decided I'm not going to use them this time if I can at all possibly avoid it. So that's my packing saga. Um, but it does feel good to have all of the major stuff taken care of, you know, the, the visa, mostly having the shots done, all of that kind of stuff, because now it really is just packing. And I've packed before. I can do this. Not a big deal. Um, I then also quilting wise, um, I have almost got finished and I'm hoping to finish it tonight. Well, I'm, I've got a conference call tonight. I'm hoping to finish it up. My Hunter Star, finally. This is the one that I had made the top to, oh, a long time ago, last spring, last winter. Um, it's the one that I made because I won a Hunter Star ruler, the uh, petite, the rapid fire Hunter Star ruler, uh, from Nitty AJ of the Quilting Pot podcast. She had it as a giveaway and I won that ruler. And when I got it, I immediately decided, oh, I want to play with this. And so I used a bunch of scraps that I had and I threw together the top really fast. I, I think I already raved about this ruler on a previous episode after I had made the center of it. it. It really is a great ruler. Works very, very well, very accurate. Um, and believe you me, I have problems with accuracy. I had no problems whatsoever with this ruler. And um, it did go together very quickly. Now, I only did a wall hanging size. I didn't do a full quilt size, but it worked really, really well. And I've had a couple of women in our guild have also used the Hunter Star ruler, and everybody just loves it. So if you were thinking about the Rapid Fire Hunter Star, I do recommend it. It's a, a great ruler. Um, but in any case, this wall hanging is earmarked for my niece, my great niece, um, who will be turning one year old in two weeks, or at least we're having a birthday party in two weeks. 
And so I want to get it done by then. So I've been, um, I'd been kind of thinking about what quilting design, you know, it's been on my design wall and then it moved off my design wall and it went back on my design wall and I couldn't decide how I wanted to quilt it. And I finally um, used, I had bought the Angela Walters dot to dot quilting class on Craftsy when it was on sale a few weeks ago. And then I fast tracked it because I realized, wait a minute, that might be exactly the inspiration I need for this quilt. And it was, it just her technique, her method, or her um, her way of doing designs in that method, the dot-to-dot thing, was perfect for this quilt. And I honestly sat down, decided what the quilt design was going to be on a Saturday night, and on a Sunday afternoon, sat down and quilted it, had it done in about two hours. It was that fast. Um, now, my lines were not entirely straight because I was doing them free motion quilting and straight lines are one of the hardest things to do when you're free motioning. Um, but I'm okay with that. It's a baby quilt. You know, she's going to be doing whatever she's going to be doing on it. So I was not sweating that. Um, I used some more scrap material for the binding, which has a doggy footprint on it, which is actually one of the fabrics I used in the quilt. So it worked well in it. It's kind of interesting on the binding. I didn't have enough to do it on the bias. Um, which probably would have worked better for the design. But it's still, you know, it's kind of cute. You can see the little dog prints around the outside border. And so I'm hand sewing the back of the binding down. I decided not to do it by machine. I wanted to hand do it. Um, And I've just been having problems keeping myself motivated to do the hand sewing. And normally that's something I really enjoy doing, but I'm just, I'm so scattered right now with, you know, trying to think through everything I've got to get done for, for work this month and trying to get ready to go out of town for a month, you know, home-wise and everything. It's just hard for me to sit and do anything other than play solitaire. It's like my mind says, I've got too much to think about. I don't want to think about anything. We're done. You're playing solitaire. (laughs) That's just kind of where I've been at. Um, But like I said, I've got this conference call tonight, and it's nothing I have to take notes on, and it's not a video call. So I'll be able to sit there while I'm on the call and I hope finish stitching down the binding I think it'll only take me really honestly maybe another 45 minutes and this call is going to be an hour and a half so that should not be a problem at all Um, so that'll feel good to get that done and I will post pictures of it once I'm able to get it washed because I did even though when you do the dot to dot method you don't really have to mark anything out um, I just felt a little more secure marking at least half of it out until I really got a feel for where I was going from one line to the next so there are some chalk marks on there that I need to wash out Plus, I also used, and I'm realizing I may have to go back and add some quilting lines, I used a water-soluble thread to stabilize the quilt. I spray-basted it, but then to really stabilize it before I started quilting, I used some water-soluble thread, which I love doing. I've done that before. It works beautifully. The thread washes out beautifully. The catch is that you can tend to think then that you've already quilted a line that you haven't actually quilted. It's only been basted. So I have... I am very suspicious that I never quilted the straight lines on either side of the inner border. I think I only stabilized them. So so I may have to go back and and re-quilt that part after I've already got the binding on. You know, that's one of those things that I didn't even think about until I'm binding and I'm looking at the back of the quilt and all of a sudden I'm realizing, oh, wait, that's the water-soluble thread. That's not actual quilting thread. So that's the only catch with using that stabilizing thread you have to remember it's not actually quilted (laughs) but in any case you know minor problem um i am also in the process of dyeing 15 more purple scarves Uh, those of you who have been listening for a while know my purple scarf saga 
Um, purple is the signature color of my organization, and so I had been asked to dye purple scarves for an event we had this fall. Um, and it, it just, the registrations for that event kind of went double what we expected them to do when I originally said yes. So I was dyeing purple scarves, you know, until, well, I won't use the phrase I was just going to use. Um, <laughs> but I had never actually said I would never dye a purple scarf again because I knew this is a good thing for me to be able to do for our organization um, because they are relatively inexpensive, although the price changes on the PFD fabric for the scarves. Um, actually, I get the scarves pre-made. I don't make them myself because <laughs> who has time? Um, and when I first bought the very first batch last year to dye, they were only a couple of dollars a scarf. Now they're up to, it changes depending on how many you buy, but I think I just paid Oh, something like three fifty or four dollars because the price of cotton goes up. Um, so they are a little more expensive now, but still, in the grand scheme of things, they're still an inexpensive gift to be able to make, and I can make them relatively in bulk. Um, so for this trip, again, it's it's traditional when when you go to meet people um, in other countries, uh, particularly very formal meeting of people in other countries, to bring some sort of a gift that, in some way. I mean, you can just bring random gifts, but it's always nice to in some way represent you, where you live, your organization, whatever. Um, and since I am going, you know, I'm I'm paying for the strip myself, but I'm going essentially as a representative of my organization, I decided, you know, the purple scarves would be a nice gift. And I have 10 left from what I died before. But given, I, I think I'm going to be meeting more women than that to whom I might want to gift a scarf. In other words, leaders in their women's ministries over there. So I decided to dye 15 more. So I'll be bringing 15 all or 25 altogether, which is really quite easily packable. Um, however, uh, I had to order more scarves and I also had to more uh, order more purple dye. And I had thought it would take until this week to get to me and it actually all got there on Friday. So I got all the scarves in the dye bath on Saturday thinking I'd get them rinsed out on Sunday and, you know, then go into the retain. And then I realized I had also run out of retain. So I had to order that and it just came today. Um, so I'm going to be rinsing and getting them into the retain tomorrow. It won't bother the scarves at all that they've been in the dye bath a few days longer than I expected. It, it only, it doesn't change the color at all. A scarf can only, any fabric can only soak up so much dye. Once it's soaked it up, it's not going to soak up more. So it already soaked up all the dye it could by Sunday morning, um, probably even sometime Saturday night. Um, so that's not changing at all. It's just a matter. It, and I decided it was better to just leave them in the dye baths rather than get them out and have them potentially lose some of their modeling or whatever if they bumped up against other dyed scarves before I could get them in the retain. Um, the retain, for those of you who don't know, is a solution that you put them, you use just a little bit of retain in water and you let them soak um, for yeah, 12 hours or so. I usually end up doing 24 just because it's easier, you know, just to do it one day and then go in and take them out the next day. And if you let them soak, it, it helps keep, it bonds the dye molecules to the fabric more cohesively so that you run less trouble in bleeding um, later. Now, I still wash the heck out of them after I get them out of the retain. I don't, I do a quick rinse um, before the retain, but you don't really have to wash them much You because you want them to maintain as much of the dye as possible. So it's best to soak them in the retain and then do your full washout. Um, 
So, I, you know, I've still got a lot of work to do on the scarves, but at least with only doing 15, I was able to do it all in one batch rather than when I was doing 75 and had to do multiple batches. Um, so that'll be most of what I'm working on the rest of this week is getting those scarves through, finished through the process. Um, I don't know that I'm going to take on any other quilt projects right now. I've got, you know, I've got some stuff in process that I might just kind of poke away at a little bit. But like I said earlier, I'm just really having focus issues right now. <laughs> So I think it's best for me not to try to do anything that would require actual thought or planning or keeping track of any sort of details whatsoever. Uh, so, you know, really, once I get the Hunter Star done and once I get the Purple Scarves done, that's probably it for me until I'm back again, you know, end of December, early January. That being said, so what did I do last night that made this episode so much different from the last episode that I posted and then yanked back from existence. Um, last night, I got to go to a trunk show from Jenny Doan, who is of Missouri Star Quilt Company. Many of you know her from YouTube. Um, I had actually bought tickets for this way back last April or May, something like that, because as soon as it got advertised, my friend Lori and I decided, yes, we wanted to go, so let's buy our tickets now, because we know those things sell out really fast. And I kind of knew when I bought it, you know, geez, I don't think November is going to be a great month for me to do this, but maybe I'll really want to go do something quilty at that point. And it, it's true. It was hard for me to get myself out the door yesterday because I was so tired and I had so much stuff to do. But, you know, I had bought the tickets. I'd already paid for it. Um, and not only my friend Lori was going, but we also had a couple of other women from our guild that we were going to meet there. And I knew, you know, if I back out, it'll be disappointing and all that kind of stuff. So I just I forced myself to go. But, you know, that being said, I was also looking forward to going. It was just the biggest issue was it was in Syracuse, which is at least an hour and a half drive for me. And actually, it turns out it was in East Syracuse, so it was almost a two-hour drive one way. And that's hard to do on a weeknight because I, I was able to start work early so I could leave work early and get on the road a little bit earlier than normal, which helped. Um, so we got there in time. It was held in a sort of restaurant banquet hall kind of thing. And you could buy a ticket to eat dinner um, there. And so that's what we had agreed to do. And so I got there. I actually only got there about a half hour after my friends did. So that wasn't too bad. And they were already starting to eat dinner. So I, you know, went through the buffet line and got my dinner too. And my timing was perfect because when I got there, there still was, you know, I didn't have to wait in line. There were a couple of other people at the buffet, but there was no line. Almost as soon as I pulled in the parking lot, two big coach buses came in right behind me. <laughs> so I parked my car and whipped out of there and went through the registration line as fast as I could to make sure I got to the buffet line before the crowds. And it really was. I had gone through the line and I had just sat down when like 50 women came in and got in line for the buffet. Um the buffet dinner, it was just a salad bar, really, uh, with some macaroni salad. And then, you know, they had some chopped meats you could put on your salad. And then they had soup and bread. And it, that's fine, but I need more protein. And particularly, I had had a very small lunch and I'd had an early lunch. So I was pretty hungry. So, I, you know, I had as much as I could do on a salad without making my calorie count go way out of control. Um, but I did end up eating again when I got home, which is another story. Um, but in any case, we, you know, I got there around five, we had dinner and the trunk show didn't actually start until seven. So they had, uh, it was hosted by a local quilt shop and they had, they were vending. They had some of their sewing machines set up. Um, they're a baby lock dealer 
and then they had um, a few tables with pre-cuts and some of Jenny Doan's books and Quilting Quickly, which has a lot of her patterns in it, and um, you know a few other things you could buy. I wasn't going to go shopping. I did look around just to kill time, um, and one of my friends bought some stuff, but you know, I was like, no, I don't really need any more pre-cuts. I need to use the ones I've got, and that's just not what I'm doing right now. So I, I wasn't really tempted. I did go over and talk to the woman um, doing the sewing machines for a while, mostly because she looked really bored. And, you know, again, I had two hours to kill, so we chatted for a little bit, but um, not so much about sewing machines because I, you know, I didn't want her to think she had a potential sale. I said right off the bat, you know, this is not something I'm going to buy. I'm just kind of curious. So we just had a nice conversation. But other than that, um, mostly we just, you know, I sat and talked with my friends and and that was nice because I haven't made it to Guild in a while. And so it was nice reconnecting with at least a few of my guild peeps. So that was good. So on to Jenny Doan. Um, I actually, she is without doubt, probably the best speaker I have ever seen in the quilt world. Um, And I've seen a lot and I've really enjoyed a lot of them. There's a lot of really good speakers out there. You know, I liked... Jenny Doan well enough watching her on video, but her personality really does not come through in those YouTube videos. I mean, they're personable enough. She's she's quite easy to watch and you enjoy watching her, but that's not what you get when you go to hear her in person. She is an incredibly vibrant, dynamic speaker, and she just had us laughing one moment to the next. I mean, throughout for the whole, and her trunk show was two hours long. It was, she was so good, so good. And I mean, I'm not somebody, you know, I'm somebody that will sit and chuckle, but we were laughing out loud. She is so funny and just energetic, but not hyper, you know, just really fun. (laughs) It was the most enjoyable two hours I've ever spent. And other than the fact that it was on a weeknight when I was already tired, the two hours went pretty fast. I mean, it was towards the end I was starting to get tired, but I didn't, I wasn't sitting there going, okay, you can end now, I'm done. I still wanted to hear her. I was just, oh, you know, I'm I'm getting tired. The chairs were getting a little uncomfortable, you know, that kind of thing. But it was still, man, she was good. She was so good. If you ever have a chance to go hear Jenny Doan do, again, just, oh my word, funny, personable, um, extremely relatable, and just so dynamic. She she was just really, I can't say enough, as you can tell. She was just really, really fun. Um, it was a great trunk show. She did, you know, she demonstrated in a very, you know, in two hours, she went through so many different of her techniques or methods, the things you will see, the tutorials. And for a lot of them, you know, she would say, okay, this tutorial is called, you know, thus and so on the YouTube, um, on the YouTube, on the YouTube tutorial list is what I was going to say. Um, So in her trunk show, she would demonstrate a block, show you a couple of variations on a felt board. You know, she would show you the pieces and how to turn them around. And then her husband was there as her, um, oh, what did she call it? She called him her entourage. His name is Ron, so she calls him her entourage. Um, And so he's the one that's, you know, holding up the quilts and walking back and forth with them and stuff. And, And the two of them have clearly done this together for a while because he was dead on every beat. There was only one she had to wait for him. Um, to catch up with where she was, but that's partly because she she went fast, I think, faster than he normally was ready for. But anyway, um, they were fun to watch together too, just very easy. Um, 
he's you know kind of the the silent quiet background type but just you know it was he was really he was kind of screwing around with the audience a little bit (laughs) it was just it was a lot of fun um but in any case you know so she would demonstrate the block she would show a variation and then she would you know he would show a quilt and then she'd show another variation he'd show the quilt that's kind of how the whole thing went and then she had great stories peppered in here and there about her family mostly she has seven kids um, all but two, I think she said, are involved in the business um, in significant ways. And they've essentially taken over the town that they live in. It's it's now, she she referred to it as Quilter's Disney now. <laughs> um, so, you know, she was kind of telling some of those stories in the midst of all of this. And it, it worked seamlessly. It wasn't like you were feeling like, okay, now she's talking about the block and now she's vamping for time. So she's talking about something else. It just all flowed one to the other. Um, now, if, you, if you're not familiar with Jenny Doan, her thing is pre-cuts. She only works with pre-cuts um, and, you know, border fabrics, backgrounds, that kind of thing, but mostly pre-cuts. It's all about charm packs, jelly rolls, um, layer cakes, honey honey buns, all of those kind of pre-cuts. And, and she really specializes on fast and easy, although I have found that using her video tutorials, and I've used a few of them now, she can play a little fast and loose with the terms fast and easy. <laughs> Just know that things rarely take only the amount of time she suggests they do. My my best example of this is her um her baby quilt tutorial, the the one that's the self-binding baby quilt. I've done several of them. It's just you cut two pieces of flannel um to two different sizes and then the way you sew them together and fold the edges in and stuff, it creates kind of this mitered border effect around the outside. It is a fast and easy way of doing a baby quilt. It's fantastic for donation quilts. I've done, like I said, I've done several of them. Um, but she says in the video, oh, this takes you about 10 minutes. It takes 45. And that was after doing it a couple times till I got it down to a system. Um, and I'm not really a, I'm not a whiz bang fast quilter, but I'm not a really slow one either. I'm, I would say I'm pretty average speed, maybe even a little bit faster than normal. And it still took me 45 minutes. So now that being said, 45 minutes is still fast for a baby receiving blanket. Um, so it's, and easy can sometimes be in the eye of the beholder or dependent on how much you're stickler for accuracy. And that's kind of where it comes down. She is not a huge stickler for accuracy. So she'll say things like, you know, some people get all freaked out about the bias edges. I don't think they bother me, you know, cause I do this, that, and the other thing. And when you look at some of her finished quilts, not all the points meet, not all the corners meet, but it doesn't bother her because she just loves the whole thing. And so I'm trying to also kind of release from myself this perfectionist tendency I have. Um, But that being said, they're not hard either. So like when I did the disappearing pinwheel um, last year, several of us kind of got each other going on on Twitter um, one month about doing disappearing pinwheels. And when I did it, it it did work. It was a a much easier way of doing the finished product than you would if you did it in traditional methods, but you had a lot of bias edges. And so I did have problems getting some points meeting and cutting off some points here and there. But when you see the finished product overall, nobody else is going to notice that. So it's just, you you know, kind of have to get over yourself a a little bit in that. Um, So what I've found in terms of her video tutorials if I insert the word relatively in front of fast and easy, so it's relatively fast compared to other methods and relatively easy in the grand scheme of quilt making, then I'm good. Um, and the reality is they are faster, they are easier than a lot of other methods are. Um, and she is just really impressive. 
she she talked about at one point how she doesn't think mathematically but she thinks geometrically and she she clearly has this just incredible innate ability to look at a shape and immediately be able to see secondary patterns that would emerge if you just twisted this block this way or this block that way um in a way that i you know i really admire that because i can't always do it i have to kind of do it myself on my design wall to be able to picture what it's going to look like it's hard for me to look at something and extrapolate from there oh you know this or that or the other thing will happen um which is why she's got so dang many tutorials on her youtube channel they post a new one every friday every single friday now a lot of them are variations on things she's done before but it's still it looks like a completely different finished product. You start with the same block, you just twist the units a different way or you cut it a different size and suddenly you've got an entirely different quilt. So it is pretty cool. Um, she did give a great quick reference measurement list, which I think I got right. I was taking notes with my thumbs on my phone. So I think I got this. I wasn't able to write it down quite as fast as she was saying it, but basically one charm pack makes a baby quilt, two makes a crib quilt, three a lap, and four a twin size. So that's really helpful to know, you know, to keep that in my mind in mind as I'm shopping. If I see a charm pack I like, well, if I think I like this enough for a twin size quilt, I'd better pick up four packs, you know, so that's helpful to have that. Um, one layer cake makes a twin size quilt, two a queen, one jelly roll a twin, two a queen. Um, and now that doesn't include borders because you may or may not choose to put borders on there. That's just the center of the main design. Uh, she pointed out a twin quilt takes approximately three yards of fabric, which is an, one jelly roll and or one layer cake. Those are each two and three quarter yards of fabric. So that helps you kind of get that in your head, um, how that relates. Uh, so that was, for me, that would have made the night just having that sort of list in my head so I can memorize it easily because you know one of the things you always do is when you go out and you see something you like it's like if I don't have something specifically in mind how much of this do I buy um, so that's an easy way in terms of pre-cuts to just think okay well I'm going to need you know probably this much of the, the or these many in order to make this size quilt um, she also talked about the quilt in a day scallops and vines rulers that's apparently her favorite ruler for scallop borders um, and she also very briefly demonstrated her technique for doing scallop borders, which again was very, very easy. Um, probably, you know, if you looked at it, if you were trying to enter into big quilt shows for adjudication, maybe it wouldn't entirely make it by, but for your average quilt, who cares? Uh, so, I, you know, I had never really had much of a desire to do a scallop border. It's not like I thought it was too hard, but it's like, you know, I'm not sure I'm into it enough to to warrant spending that time and the headache it takes to figure it out. But after she talked about doing it, and she does have a tutorial, I believe, um, on YouTube for how she does her scallop borders, I thought, you know, maybe I could actually throw one on with less grief than I think it would take me. Um, so I may watch the tutorials. It's still, you know, the styles of quilts I do don't really lend themselves necessarily to scallop borders, but it, it's still nice some, to have something like that in your arsenal when you're trying to design a quilt. And of course, she showed the disappearing nine patch and the disappearing pinwheel both of which I've done several of, but she showed other variations on them that I hadn't thought about and I hadn't noticed those um, YouTube uh, tutorials on them. Um, I'm not entirely sure I would do another disappearing pinwheel because the other variations she showed on them didn't particularly intrigue me. I really like the one I did already, but it's not something I feel the need to do again. Um, but I definitely could see myself doing disappearing nine patches because those are so great for... Um, 
one, using up charm packs, but two, for uh, donation quilts. They're just fantastic because mostly they are very easily done in a wheelchair size. And that's what I'd been doing mine for were wheelchairs. Um, she also showed a disappearing four patch in several variations. And, and that intrigued me as well. Um, I, I just, I got some really great ideas. You know, it's one of these things where you immediately want to come home and start slicing up your jelly rolls and charm packs. Um, and she also talked through the templates that they've developed, uh, that are sized for pre-cuts that, you know, it's, she doesn't have any unusual shapes or anything. They're kind of shapes you see before, but they are sized specifically for pre-cuts. So it makes it a little faster and easier to use. So, you know, that's something I might think about. I'm not going to buy them right away. Um, but knowing that they're out there, I might say, you know, I could see myself maybe doing a tumbler quilt out of a layer cake or whatever. Um, so that was nice to, to see how those actually get used. Um, now there's one scrap quilt design I have always loved ever since I first saw it years and years and years ago. And I don't know if the block even has a name. I think of it as the loose change block, but I realize that's only because it is the um, quilt that's on the cover of the book called Loose Change. So if you've got the Loose Change book, I'm talking about the quilt that's on the cover. I have just always loved that block. And I'd actually talked to Charlotte, our um, of the Scrapitude fame about that block once because she's done it at least once if not a couple times and I you know when she brought it to show and tell us oh I love that and she's like oh it's really easy you just cut all these two inch squares and I'm like yeah you know the traditional way of doing it is you're sewing a gazillion squares together well Jenny Doan has a method of doing exactly that same block with charm packs or five inch squares that would make it so much faster and easier than doing it one piece at a time. And I could still have it very, very scrappy because I've got a ton of five inch squares that aren't in charm packs, just squares I've been cutting um, from my scrap fabrics that I could use with that technique. And so it might actually make it onto my 2015 wish list. Although I still have a Jacob's ladder um, quilt that I've been kind of poking away at cutting that I really want to get done too. Um, the, the quilt, that, the one that I'm talking about now if you look on her Missouri Star Quilt Company uh, YouTube tutorials and look for the one that's called Four Patch Quilt Plus X's and O's, it's two blocks that she puts together with her technique. And the way the two blocks go together form this block. And so that's, it's, yeah, I really, I could see myself easily doing that one in 2015. Um, I'll try to remember to post a direct link to that tutorial in the show notes to this episode. Um, and then at the very end, she <laughs> I was saying to my friend Lori as we were driving home, she really preached at the end. She preached. She was just so passionate about quilting and so passionate about sharing what she's learned and so passionate about getting other people out there doing this thing and talking about um, what quilts symbolize to people and why we're such a giving people and, and all of that kind of stuff. It really made me want to go right home and start making donation quilts out of my stash of pre-cuts if it hadn't been nearly midnight by the time I walked in my front door. And the other thing I got thinking about was Francis of Off Kilter Quilt recently talked about um, copyright issues and even the designers in their world, their own attitudes towards copyright issues. Some designers are saying, please take my designs, use them however you want to. That's why I do it. Other designers are a little more... Um, protective of their copyright and, and have more stringent rules about you need to get permission to do this, that, and the other thing. Jenny Doan very much falls down on the use what I'm telling you to do. You know, if you want to embed my video on your blog, that's great. 
Um, she has no concerns about that. She really wants people out there doing this stuff. So again, she was just fantastic. I'm really glad I went. I really enjoyed her. I've got all sorts of ideas now and I'm going to be what, you know, I've been already this morning while I was trying to wake up after not getting home until midnight last night. I was watching some of her tutorials again um, over my morning coffee. By the way, the whole weaning myself off coffee lasted one day because I needed it this morning. Um, I, I yearned, as I said, I think on, on uh, Twitter. Um, but in any case, I just really enjoyed her. So if you ever have a chance to see Jenny Doan, do. She's great. Um, quick recommendation. In my original version of this podcast episode, I had several recommendations, but I didn't talk about the Jenny Doan thing. So I knocked out all the recommendations. Um, the only one I do want to make sure I say is I've been listening to a so podcast, a new podcast that is completely addictive. It's called Serial, S-E-R-I-A-L. It's done by the same people that do This American Life. It's about, um, it's a, uh, the producer of the show, the person who does the show, is trying to figure out, it's a true crime story, this person who's been in prison for 15 years. She doesn't walk into it trying to prove whether he's innocent or guilty. There's just some questions for her about the case itself. So she's, you're following her along as she's kind of going back through the case 15 years later. Um, it's just really, really well done. And it is addictive. It is really fascinating. So if you're like a Law and Order fan, or <laughs> if you like police procedural novels, um, you would probably dig this podcast. So check it out. I have a link to it in the show notes. Um, make sure you you pay attention to it because it is really, really, really good. There's like, I think she's up to episode eight at this point. Um, and I don't know where this is going to go. I don't know how many episodes she's planning until you find out if there's any end of the story to find out. It's it's just really, really fascinating. So if you get a chance, make sure you listen. Okay, we're going to do some listener feedback now. Hang on. Okay, I want to start out by saying thank you so much to Sherry for emailing me and trying to tempt me to buy some yarn things. She just found something new called bonbons. Um, you mentioned in the past that you're looking for small amounts of yarn to embellishment to embellish with. Um, they are sold in packages. They're mini skeins of yarn, about two inch by one inch skein. I mean, that's not the size of the yarn strip. It's it's a skein of yarn that's about two inches wide by one inch, or two inches long by one inch wide. Um, and they come in packages. So she sent me that link, and I appreciate that, Sherry. I am not buying any more fiber at the moment because I have a lot to use, but I will certainly keep that um, in mind for when I next feel like I need new stuff. So thank you for the recommendation. Thank you. It's good to hear from Sue in upstate New York. Um, Sue has answered the siren call of spinning. Uh, she went to Rhinebeck this year, it's a spindle, which is a fiber festival. She bought a spindle and a ton of fiber, a drop spindle. Um, she started drop spindling and then she went to another fiber festival in Springfield, Massachusetts and spent a lot of time in the Spinning Guild's booth. And she, what she discovered is that she could rent a spinning wheel and she has since rented one um, and she's teaching herself how to spin. Um, unfortunately, she sent me a picture of her spinning wheel and I'm quite envious. I have looked around here for being able to rent a spinning wheel and unfortunately I can rent time on a spinning wheel at the Weaver's Guild in their classroom, but I can't bring it home with me. And with my schedule, that's kind of difficult. I suppose, you know, if I had a few hours, I could probably sit there and get a skein of yarn 
spun and plied and all of that, but I'm still new enough that I'd really rather have one in my own home so I could do it kind of a bit at a time. And I haven't been able to find a place that I can rent one yet, and they're too stinking expensive to buy at the moment. So I'm still working on my drop spindle. Um, but it was good hearing from you, Sue. I really appreciated that. And thank you for sending me the picture and just making me envy. Um, Charlotte asked about when autumn became known as fall in the States. And on my last episode, I actually did an etymology lesson about that. I'm going to hold off on that and probably do it in my blog because I'm already at 51 minutes and I don't have enough time. But I did, you you intrigued me, Charlotte. So I looked it up. Um, Charlotte is from New Zealand and wanted to know, I'm wondering when autumn became known as fall in the States and where did the term start? And is it only a USA things? And do kids from the States understand me when I say autumn? And the answer is, uh, uh, the the etymology is complicated about where the term started. It isn't only a USA thing. It's a North American thing. Apparently, they also say fall more in Canada. Um, But it originally came from England, although it has since fallen out of use in England, and that England now more often says autumn, at least according to this resource I was looking up. Um, But people here do use both terms interchangeably. So people will know what you mean when you say autumn, but fall is more frequent. So... That's your answer. It was much longer in the original episode. I'm so sorry, Lottie. Um, Kari wanted, uh, made a suggestion in terms of my coffee issues in Burma, um, suggested boiling the water first and then using a, a drip um, brew thing that I, you know, it's a portable one. Unfortunately, I wouldn't have any way to boil the water. I looked into the little heating elements that you can put down in water, but then you've got, you know, you always have to be near an outlet, which I'm not always going to be. You know, I've just decided it is just easier to cut to the chase and simply wean myself off coffee before I go. I'm not weaning myself off coffee for any sort of medical reasons. I I do not drink that much coffee. I mean, I'm, I enjoy my coffee. And so you hear me talk about coffee a lot. I really like the flavor of coffee. I like the experience of drinking it first thing in the morning. And yes, I have tried substituting tea. It does not hack it for me. I drink tea the rest of the day. I really enjoy tea, but that first thing in the morning, I really like my coffee. Um, I don't foresee that I'm going to have a whole lot of issues with withdrawals when I go off it. You know, I might have a couple of days where I'm a little bit um, headachey, maybe a little bit draggy, but it's not, I don't drink enough that this is going to be a huge issue. And I fully plan that when I come back from Burma, I'm going to start drinking coffee again because I really enjoy it. I really do. And my doctor has asked me, you know, about my caffeine use and she has no concern about what I'm doing. So um, I don't have a concern about. Uh, Let's see. Thank you to Diane for your comment and to Kati um, for your comment. Kati's uh, actually commented a few times. There's another one from her. Uh, so thank you, Cotty, for coming back and commenting so many off so many times. You're a regular. I appreciate it. Um, thank you to Kathy, who also commented a couple of times. Um, and again, thank you to Sherry, who commented several times. Um, thank you to Catherine, who commented on episode 166, in which I traveled, which I posted on October 22nd about Mickey Lawler. And she said she really loves Mickey Lawler's work. Um, Make sure you check out her website at skydies.com, www.skydies.com. And she says she's taken classes with her. She's a great teacher. Uh, Mickey Lawler has a DVD demonstrating her painting techniques, which I don't think I own. So I'm definitely going to have to check that out at some point. Um, But the book that I recommended uh, that I reviewed in that episode, uh, Catherine says was reprinted under a new name, Sky Quilts. 
And actually, I had seen Squyquilts Sky, Sky <laughs> Sky listed, and I wasn't sure if it was a reprint or if it was actually a different book. And I didn't own Squyquilts. I didn't buy it to compare. So apparently it is just a reprint of the book that I had already reviewed. Um, Catherine mentions that all the paints that she uses are still available. You can get them through Pro Chemical and Dye, which I know to be true because I believe I already own some of those. Um, I, I do want to point out again, I want to say thank you to Kathy for letting me riff off of her 10 things every serious quilter has blog post. And I did my own version of it. Um, Kathy particularly appreciated the four pins comment. Um, and I, I have to laugh because I really was in the habit when I was a kid of always running my hand over any couch or chair surface that I sat on before I sat down because mom was a hand quilter for many, many years and there were always pins and needles everywhere. <laughs> so you just learn to run your hand over the couch before you sat down just to make sure you weren't about to sit on a pin. And my friends used to wonder, because I'd go to their house and just in the habit, I would run my hand over the couch before I sat down. They're like, why are you doing that? I'm like, oh, that's right. There's probably no pins here. Um, Charlotte did say on my 10 things every serious quilter has, she says, in a Sandy remix, six quilt books should be six craftsy classes, which is probably true. Good point. Um, Kathy said, this is different Kathy, said she is remiss in owning seam rippers. She only has three. And I think I had seam rippers as number six in that list. I can't remember. Um, she says, however, I am more advanced in the matter of unread books and unopened specialty rulers. I guess it all evens out. Um, Diane appreciated numbers five, eight, nine, and 10, most especially um, Suzanne. I have to say a shout out to Suzanne. She is a new listener. Um, she is on episode 28 from fall 2010, which probably means you'll be listening to this episode somewhere around 2018. Um, so 2018 Sandy is giving a shout out to 2018 Suzanne, and I'm hoping we're both doing well in 2018. Um, so thank you. Welcome aboard, Suzanne, as a new listener. I want to say thank you to Lauren for checking in. She emailed me because she is one of the people that I had mentioned might have been dropping off the face of the earth. Um, but she has had some issues. There's uh, some reasons why she hasn't been listening to podcasts. So, um, however, she has said she she's done so little quilting lately. I'm not sure I can even still call myself a quilter. Hey, you still listen to quilt podcasts and read quilt blogs. You're a quilter. Um, so she gave me some updates on what she's been doing um, and her knitting. She's been getting a lot of knitting done. Um, so you are knitting for both of us because nope, not going to do it. So anytime you want to knit something and say, I'm doing this in Sandy's name, go right ahead. Um, but she does plan on getting back into the studio at some point and making the sewing machine hum again. Mojo comes and Mojo goes as we have talked about. So thank you, Lauren, for your email. I did really, really appreciate hearing from you. And I will be emailing you back some point soon. Um, Jennifer emailed me as well to let me know she's having problems commenting on my blog from her iPad in Feedly or Safari. And I also, I use Feedly. I've also toyed around with using Blogloven, but I found I have the same problem with both. If I try to comment on a blog directly out of Feedly or um, Blogloving or some other app in my iPad, it only works about half the time. Um, and I do know when I first went with uh, Squarespace, which is who I use for my blog, there were some sort of known issues about commenting off of Safari on mobile um, units. They thought they had gotten it fixed. I'm not sure they did. But anyway, that's exactly why once I settle and have a brain in my head again in the new year, I am probably going to go back to WordPress. So that's just, but it's just going to take me a while to do that because I got to switch feeds and all that 
kind of nonsense. Anyway, um, Jennifer also wanted to make sure I knew that I could download Craftsy classes to watch offline onto my iPad. And she did that going to China earlier this year. I hope you had a good trip to China. And she was able to watch a couple classes on the plane. I have actually done that in the past. The problem is I max out the storage on my iPad because I really use my iPad as a laptop. So I've got some kind of big space hog programs on there that I don't want to take back or apps that I don't want to take off. And so I have very little room. I used to have that problem when I was downloading magazines to read, you know, on my iPad. I just kept running into space issues. So I I can at most get one Craftsy class on at a time. Um, so I might, you know, before this trip, I might go through and wipe out as much, uh, as many of the apps as I think I can get away with taking off my iPad before traveling. Um, I mean, because the reality is I'm going to have no cell service. I'm going to have very little access to Wi-Fi while I'm there. So it's not like I'm going to be doing a lot of the social networking stuff I normally do. I'm not going to be doing a whole lot of document creation, but there are some apps I know I'm going to, because I'm going to want to be taking notes on my trip and that sort of thing. Um, but I might be able to put a couple of Craftsy classes on there. So anyway, for those of you who don't know, yes, you can download Craftsy classes to watch offline onto your iPad. Um, Holly did her best to entice me. I called her a temptress. She let me know about an Aurafil sale that was going on on Pink Chalk Fabrics. Um, and yes, I could have gotten Aurafil thread at a really great price. Uh, two issues. Right now I'm buying so much stuff for my trip to Burma, I really didn't feel like I should buy thread, um, even though it was on a great sale. And also I did look at it and it was, um, they didn't have any neutrals left by the time I got to the page. They only had colored threads. And I do already have several Aurafil colored threads. And without knowing what your projects are, I, I decided, you know, this is not money I need to be spending right now. But certainly, Holly, let me know again if you ever see Aurafil on sale, because it was very tempting. And I really had to think through it, but it just, the timing just was not right at this point. And also a big shout out to another new listener, Nancy, who emailed me, and I really appreciated your email. And she is insane because she just finished listening to every one of her my episodes, some more than once, and she's only been doing it since June. So that, that's commitment. <laughs> and, and I'm either very, very pleased to know you or just a little bit frightened. But thank you so much. Um, and the email was fantastic. And I will be emailing you back again. I've just been having focus issues. Normally I email somebody right back away, but I've just, I've just not been able to get the concentration to do that. Um, so I will be emailing you back as well. That's my commitment. All of you who have emailed me that I've not responded to, I'm going to do it this week. So once my conference call is done tonight, I think that's the last night. I'm, no, I'm, I think I'm out again Thursday night, but that's a fun thing. So we'll see. Anyway, um, that's it for listener feedback. And I've actually gone over an hour. This episode is now longer than the original of these episode 168s were. So um, I hope I didn't really mess with anything too much in the technological world. I hope you're now able to download and listen to this episode. And it's, believe me, it's a much more interesting episode than the other one was anyway. Um, so that's it for this episode. So if you want to email me, you know where you can do it. You can email me at sandyquilts at gmail.com, sandy with a Y, quilts with a Z. You can also follow me on Twitter, Pinterest, Goodreads, Facebook, Flickr, all of those places. I'm sorry, not Facebook, Flickr, all of those places. I'm sandy with a Y, quilts with a Z, also on Craftsy, if you could search by username. Um, you can follow the blog. You can like the Quilting for the Rest of Us page on Facebook, and you can join the Quilting for the Rest of Us Flickr group. Please do. 
Somebody just recently posted a bunch of new pictures and I've really enjoyed seeing them. Or you can join the Quilting for the Rest of Us Kiva team and do good all over the world. And you can find all of those links at www.quiltingfortherestofus.com. And until next time, go get your quilty on. Quilting for the Rest of Us is dedicated to Shirley. Love you, Mom. Thank you.